You are listening to Church Talk with Isaac. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Church Talk with Isaac. If this is your first time listening in, I am the host, Isaac Watson, and as I always do, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day um, to tune in once again. I want to open up today's episode by reading a review from one of our listeners, and this one is from Joanna Wilson. She said, I thoroughly enjoyed the podcast on homosexuality with Josh Flewellen. I love that Isaac leads the podcast with truth purposefully designed to free the listeners. I could discern the love and mercy of God as the prevailing factors, especially in part two. Well done. Thank you so much, um, Joanna Wilson. I really do appreciate your words. Um, that uh, Those two episodes that we did, um, they were really good episodes. And uh, again, I had, a, uh, I had a guest on with me, Joshua Flewellen. And I encourage you all to go back and just listen to those episodes. And matter of fact, just go back and listen to every episode that you have not listened to. And I'm pretty sure that it will bless you, that you'll get something out of it. Um, so, again, thank you again, uh, Mrs. Wilson. I really do appreciate your uh, your words um, today. What I want to do. Well, before I get into that, let me let me encourage you all. As Joanna did, I want you to also take time to write a review. Uh, for Church Talk with Isaac. I would love to read it. I would love to hear it uh, and know your thoughts regarding what we've been releasing, the content that we've been releasing um, over the past year or so. Uh, Also, take time uh, in this moment and rate Church Talk with Isaac. If you have not already, um, I want to... uh, I want you to rate it. One of the reasons is is because, as I always explain, um, it helps the visibility of this platform for people who are looking for Christian podcasts such as this one. Um, The higher the rating, the more visible, excuse me, the more visible, visible, what is visible? But the higher the rating, the more visible um, this uh, platform will become, Church Talk with Isaac will become. So again, I encourage you to rate it. And also write a review and share it with someone. Send it to some people that you know at least one of these episodes would would, uh, would help them or give them a greater understanding. I so do appreciate it. All right, let me go ahead and jump into today's topic. Um, we're going to be talking today. Uh, this is actually a, a serious topic within the church. And I did just want to take some time to cover this because I believe that uh, sometimes uh, topics like we're going to cover today can be often misunderstood um, and the church can be looked at as cruel or unloving um, or not accepting, so forth and so on. But uh, the topic that we're going to cover today is a serious topic, and I believe that it deserves a conversation. I was I was I was uh, I was engaged uh, in a conversation. Um, well, actually, I wasn't engaged in it. I was listening to a conversation uh, regarding excommunication and people becoming or getting getting excommunicated from the church, uh, and whether or not that is something that is scripturally supported, whether or not that's something that's right. Is it the church just being cruel or uh, unloving, um, uh, uh, not 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 having empathy or sympathy for an individual, or is it something that should be? Uh, well, not necessarily should be, but is it something that is permissible and something that 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 can be right um, within the church? So let's talk about that. I want to talk about excommunicating people from the local church and what that looks like. Now, 
I don't think this happens much. I don't believe, but there are times, and I know personally of times where there were certain partners or members of a local assembly who literally were excommunicated, which means that, um, which means that they were removed from the church community. Um, so that's what I'm dealing with. When I'm talking about excommunication, I'm talking about the removal of an individual from church community. And we're going to talk about when that's necessary, why that's necessary, and uh, whether or not it is found uh, in Scripture regarding the church. All right. Now, um, I personally believe that there are specific times, there are special times um, where it is necessary for excommunication to take place. And I do believe that you can find it in scripture. So I'm going to take time um, today and we're going to go through some scripture. I'm going to share some of my thoughts and try to bring some clarity to this uh, to this uh, um, broadcast today, to this podcast episode today. And hopefully it gives clarity to you as well. All right, let's look at Matthew 18. Matthew 18, I'm going to read verses 15 through 20 in the New King James Version. And it says, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone if he hears you you have gained your brother but if he will not hear take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established and if he refuses to hear them tell it to the church but if he refuses even to hear the church let him be to you like a heathen and a text and a tax collector assuredly I say to you this is Jesus's words assuredly I say to you whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now, um, these verses, a, a few of the verses that I've said, a few of the phrases that I've said are phrases that we all have probably heard within a church service. All right. Whether um, it's a small church and you only got five people, uh, within uh, that gathering place. You're going to, you're probably going to hear, we don't need a whole lot of people. The Bible says that we're two or three are gathered. It's two or three of us here. So he's here in the midst. So, so, you know, we hear, you know, stuff like that, but the context, even, even let me, let me say this, even when we deal with what Jesus said, when he said that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Typically, when I have heard that phrase said, it's typically dealing with prayer, is dealing with spiritual warfare, is dealing with the principles of binding things in the spirit, loosing things in the spirit, so forth and so on. But if we look at the context of what um, Jesus is saying in Matthew 18, he's literally dealing with offense. He's dealing with sin within a church, someone sinning against someone else and, and the process that's necessary in order to work through this type of situation. So Jesus says that if if someone sins against you, that you are to go to him and tell him his fault. If he doesn't listen, you are to you are to you are you are to take two more people with you. That's why it says by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. That's another verse that we hear often dealing with things that are oftentimes unrelated to 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 uh, to Jesus's topic. Um, but 
He said that if they don't listen, take two or three witnesses with you. And if he does not hear them, bring it before the church or take it to the church. Now, this is something else that can be misconstrued. Oftentimes when I when I hear people saying to take things before the church, you have the pastor that brings the uh, an individual that may be uh, caught up in a situation, uh, caught up in what would be what probably that church would consider a sin, uh, whether it's uh, in most cases I've seen of it's sexual sin or if a woman or girl gets pregnant or something happens i've i've heard of incidents where they had to come before the church publicly and to repent but i don't believe that that is the model that jesus is actually talking about he's saying that if someone is unrepentant and if you if you if you bring it to them and they don't listen if you take two or three witnesses with you and they don't listen that you are to take it to the church in other words i believe he was saying that you are to present the case to the church government to the to the to the um to the legislative authorities within that local church it could be the pastoral team it could be the the uh the eldership whatever the case may be it doesn't mean to bring it before the entire congregation it literally i believe is referring to them bringing it to uh, the church authority so that the church authorities can handle the matter and then jesus goes on and he says that if he refuses to even hear the church or the church government the ecclesia he says that you are to um, he says that this person is to be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Or in other words, he is no longer to be related to you as a brother um, or a sister um, within the church. But they are to be treated honestly, honestly is what it's saying as outsiders. Now, this is what he says. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. And literally what that is speaking to, if you look at. Let me give you a, a, a Bible translation that I believe uh, articulates this better, because when we say whatever we bind is loosed, it can often give the impression that whatever we say, God affirms. Um, but literally, whatever you bind or lose, if you look at the Young's literal translation or even in the Greek translation, it says whatever you bind already having been bound and whatever you lose having already been loosed. So in other words, what that means is that we are not the ones who are dictating the binding and the loosing. We are taking our cue from heaven. Let me say that again. We are not the ones who are telling heaven or God what to do. We are taking our cue from heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be having been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be having been loose in the heaven. So in other words, when we when we set something in place on the earth, we are able to do so because we have already received the the um, the the, the our, our cue. We have already received our um, the permission and the affirmation necessary from heaven to put a particular thing in place. And in this context, it's not talking about binding and, and loosing demons or angels or spiritual activity, winds and fire and breath and all that stuff. This is dealing with binding and loosing as far as what will be um, identified as something that is that is set in stone or set in place within the church because of heaven's approval of a thing. So in other words, if you excommunicate the this person or if you treat this person as a heathen or as a tax collector because of their unwillingness to repent heaven backs your decision because you've actually received wisdom from God as far as how to handle that situation that is what the context is when it's speaking about binding and loosing another thing is that excommunication should not be something that is solely determined by one individual one person or the senior pastor or senior leader and I've seen that where if if, if a leader has 
an issue with an individual um, that I, I've seen. I've seen that individual being treated very poorly, being treated wrong or, or even excommunicated from a church because that leader had an issue with them. Now, I've seen instances where the leader was wrong and the leader did not handle things the way that they should have been handled. That leader did not. Um, um, that, that leader was not right in all of his positions. He was wrong. He had some, some play, uh, of, of within the scenario that occurred and, and people were wrongly, uh, excommunicated. Um, so I believe that excommunication should not be something that's decided by one person. Again, when, uh, when we look at Matthew 18, Jesus says that if he don't hear you, take it to two, take it to two more people there. Therefore at the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing is established. If they do not want to listen, take it to make it, make it an even larger, uh, uh, issue and take it to the government, take it to the church and let them handle it. You just, you just do not make the decision. I sound like I'm speaking in tongues, but you do not just make the decision on your own as far as whether or not someone should be excommunicated by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let that thing be established. Let me take you to another scripture because I believe this next one, it deals specifically with an, an, uh, a, with an, uh, with an occurrence where an individual uh, in the church of Corinth literally had to be excommunicated. So let's go to let's go to first Corinthians chapter five. We're going to look at verses one through seven, and then I'm going to jump to verse 11. We're going to read 11 through 13. All right. So verse one, it says it is actually reported that there are that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife. And you're puffed up and I'm not rather mourned. Not rather mourned. That he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present him who has so done this deed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you are gathered together along with the spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. It says to deliver him to Satan. Your, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven. That you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened for indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for you. Go down to verse 11 for now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a or or a reveler or a drunkard or an extortioner not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside, but those who are outside God judges? Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. This is a very interesting uh, letter, a segment of a letter that Paul is writing to the Corinthians, because literally there was sexual immorality that was going on within the church uh, where a man uh, was sleeping with his father's wife. And Paul said that this something like this is not even named among the Gentiles. Like this is just something that was just outright wrong. 
and uh, it, it had to be something that was that that was blowing up within this church for Paul to address it the way that he did uh, and, and the language that he used. He said things like this. He said, get rid of the leaven so that the whole lump can be preserved. Remove the leaven from among you. And then he concluded his thought. Uh, he concluded his thought with this. He said, he said, therefore, put away from yourself the evil person. Now, one thing we have to understand about this language is that Paul is referring to uh, in, in, uh, a sinful act um, that is just not uh, uh, affecting that uh, the man's father, but it, it had to be something that was spreading among the congregation in general because he used the phrase a little leaven leavens the entire lump. So in other words, your toxicity is beginning to spread. Therefore, in order to preserve the entire lump, or in other words, in order to preserve this church or to keep this church from becoming leavened, remove the leaven from among you. Or in other words, excommunicate this individual. Remove this individual from the local assembly so that the entire congregation, the entire lump would be preserved. Something very serious. All right. Let's look at Titus chapter three, verses 10 and 11. It says, reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition. It sounds a lot like Matthew chapter 18. Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. If you look at the New Living Translation, the same verse, Titus 3 and 10, it says, if people are, are, are causing divisions among you, give a, give a first and second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. So this is something that we see is very, is very, uh, is very serious. Now, let me say this. When the Bible talks about um, do not have fellowship with a sexually immoral person or people who may have uh, uh, issues or people who may be living in certain uh, sin, uh, uh, sinful lifestyles. Um, one of the things that we have to understand is that um, Paul is talking about people who are in unrepentant sin. People who are in unrepentant sin and he and he and he has to talk in this way because he because these individuals unrepentant sins are affecting the health of the entire public assembly. And um, something else that we have to understand is that uh, uh, excommunication is not something necessarily um, that's for the well-intended but weakened soul. And so it's not talking about someone who just has certain struggles, someone who has not been fully delivered. Um, this is literally referring to people who are corrupted, people who are unrepentant. Um, the Bible scriptures talks about people who will be as wolves in sheep's clothing, um, who, who, who would be, um, who will find themselves among the congregation, which is why elders are important within a local assembly that they can be, uh, uh those who are called to protect and to govern and to over, oversee the flock of God, protecting them from from wolves that would that would pop up from the inside and also from those who would try to infiltrate from the outside. Um, so it's dealing with wolves who will enter in and it's dealing with those who are toxic, those and, and, and those whose toxicities are spreading throughout the congregation. And, and ultimately, because of that, creating more division and more sin within the church. It ain't talking about people who just got struggles or people who just got issues and they're accountable. They're trying to walk through their processes, so forth and so on. They're looking for deliverance, um, but they've not found full deliverance. It is not talking about those types of people necessarily. All right. So um, this is something that we have to understand as well. 
excommunication or removing an individual from a church, for one, it should be the last resort. That's not the first thing that a, that a church should go to. Um, I believe that there are certain processes that that should be taken in order to uh, uh, in order to try to help the individual. But if they are unrepentant and they refuse to turn, excommunication is a final resort. Now, this is a thing. Excommunication or the removal of one from a local assembly is actually not intended to leave someone in devastation. It's actually intended to be a final restorative method. A final, a, a final restorative method, uh, 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 or 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 a restorative process for the unrepentant. So, in other words, um, it's intended that they may honestly. The excommunication is intended for them to develop a godly sorrow, that they may be weighed by the severity of their sin, the severity of what they've done or what they are doing that is causing a a a pollution. A polluting of the congregation and hopefully uh, they'll look to return to the church with a repentant heart after seeing how tragic and how damaging their acts and activities have become um, and the measures that had to be taken by the church in order to preserve the flock of God. It's not something to leave an individual in a devastating uh, 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 period, uh, uh, a place where um, they are just delivered over to Satan and left there. The purpose of delivering someone over to Satan for the for the for the eating up of their flesh is so that their spirit will be preserved. That's what Paul says, so that their spirit will be preserved um, before the Lord. So in other words, so that so that so that they would come, their conscience would be seared. Um, with 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 the coals from the altar of the Lord, in other words, so that they would begin to become convicted by their deeds, and so that they would be restored back unto uh, sal uh, not just salvation, because I don't believe excommunication is necessarily a salvation issue, but so that they can be restored back into uh, the community. Now, Second um, Corinthians chapter two, verses six through eight. Um, this says something very important because I believe that Paul was 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 talking about the individual that had to become excommunicated in first Corinthians. And he says this in second Corinthians chapter two, verse six. He says this punishment, which was inflicted by the majority, is sufficient for such a man so that on the contrary, you ought rather to forgive and comfort him. lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. Excommunication does not mean that you do not love the individual. As a matter of fact, as a as a final step for an unrepentant individual who is corrupting and polluting and, and, and causing the culture of, of the local assembly to become toxic. Excommunication is actually an act of love. And if that person and hopefully the prayer is that that person would come back to repentance. Um, um, uh, Paul's admonition is that they would come and be comforted that they may actually know that what happened was not happening because we hate you. It was not something that was done because we want to see you destroyed, that we want to see you um, uh, 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 face destruction. But ultimately, we want to see you restored. And as so, we're going to receive you. We have forgiven you and we have restored you back into the local congregation and, and the gathering of the local assembly.
So excommunication, I believe, is something as we have just went through several scriptures and there are actually more scriptures that can be gone through. Um, but we see that excommunication is something that can be biblical. It is necessary at times, but it should be a, a last and final resort is what I believe. Um, so listen, I hope that this uh, led uh, to some level of insight to you. It helped you, gave you a different perspective. Maybe you've not even thought too deep into this, um, to this level. But after hearing today's uh, podcast episode, it led you to see why certain things are done. And it's not just cruelty, but sometimes it's to preserve what God um, um, has called into himself. And ultimately through the, through, through the excommunication, its intention is also to uh, preserve that individual soul as well. All right. So listen, I love you all. Thank you all for tuning in. And I pray that you have a great and blessed week. Thank you for listening to church talk with Isaac. If you enjoy our content and benefit from this podcast, do me a favor and subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. I'm also on all social media platforms and would love to connect with you. You can also partner with us by visiting IsaacWatsonMinistries.com and clicking donate. Your partnership helps us to get the message of Jesus through Isaac Watson Ministries to the world. Talk to you soon.